Hey everyone, and welcome to the DarkCast. This is DCI number 137. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and in this episode, uh, I get to sit down and talk with two of the developers behind Ubisoft's latest Tom Clancy entry, Ghost Recon Wildlands. I get to speak with Nuruddin Aboud, who is the senior producer on the game, and then later on you'll hear from Dominic Butler, the lead game designer. Each interview is about 15 minutes long, and um, pardon the audio quality, uh, kind of like the For Honor interview, this was at an event. Uh, thankfully, I wasn't surrounded by a bunch of people, uh, but still, there's actually some reverb from the, the table that the microphone was sitting on, so um, hopefully you can forgive that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this interview, and uh, up first is uh, Nuruddin. so much for, for sitting down with me and talking about uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Um, how are you doing today? Great, great. It's always good to have people look at the game, yeah. uh, especially when you spend lots of time working on it. I can imagine. <laughs> it's, like, it's like showing off your, your child. It's like, exactly. hey, look. The awesome. game is five years old. My daughter is six. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, um, before we get kind of into the nitty-gritty of the game, can you talk, just kind of give a rundown of what Ghost Recon Wildlands is for anybody that doesn't know? Yeah, so the, the big thing to have in mind in terms of ga- gameplay is that this game takes all the things that people like in military shooters, being able to play stealth, assault, being able to customize your gun, etc., bring it in a massive open world, which means the missions are not scripted anymore, you're not forced to play them in a specific order, so you have access to all this content right away. And on top of that, you add the fact it's four-player co-op or solo, which means that you can play every single mission solo or co-op, and you can even go back and forth without having to start again or, or play in a different way. So all those three elements, the military shooter, the open world, and the co-op, bring the game that basically one of the games that has the biggest amount of freedom, mm-hmm. according to us. And in terms of the story itself, it's basically sending the ghosts uh, deep behind enemy lines in uh, Bolivia. And in the, the story we're telling, the fiction, fictional storytelling is, what if a Mexican drug cartel would move to Bolivia, take control of the drug production, and try to create a narco state? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so you mentioned uh, that it's open world, and it's, it's been mentioned uh, many times as the biggest open world that, that you guys have made for like an action adventure game. Yeah. How, how big is it? I mean, I, I mean, comparatively, not not miles and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, what uh, is inter- exactly because you can you know I mean the distance inside the game is always different right. uh, the the way you imagine, and if you, you spend hours driving your car. For instance, inside the game, it, it will get boring after after a while. Right, right. The, the, the big thing here is the fact that you can spend uh, lots of hours playing it. So just to, I'm going to give you a few figures. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, more than 100 core missions. On top of that, you have the side missions. But just the core missions, there's uh, around 100 of them. Okay. In terms of the vehicles, you have around 60 vehicles available. And those go to vehicles like uh, helicopters or planes, which means that the map is big enough that you can spend time in your helicopter flying over the the landscape. Mm -hmm. And in terms of also gameplay, we have 21 regions, which all have their own gameplay and and missions. Uh, For instance, we have 26 bosses, 
which means that some, in some provinces we even have two, more than one boss. Mm -hmm. uh, so all those things, um, the missions, the tools you have, uh, the settings, with the 11 environments we have, mountains, desert, jungle, create such a deep uh, content that that's why it's our biggest action-adventure open-world game ever. Awesome. Um, now, it's, it's been a little while since we've had a Ghost Recon game. Um, yeah, what are you carrying forward from that franchise? Like, what makes Wildlands a Ghost Recon? What, and what, what's kind of the, the spirit that you're carrying forward, and what, what's changed? What's new besides the, obviously, the, you know, open world? Yeah. So, uh, the big thing to have in mind first is that uh, most of the guys who are working on these games have worked on Ghost Recon for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been working on Ghost Recon games for more than 10 years. Uh, we have people who've been doing that for 15 years, so lots of experience. And for instance, we worked on Advanced Warfighter, we worked on uh, Future Soldier. So, we have kind of in mind the different games that we worked on. And I would say there's two important things. This first thing, Ghost Recon has always been about being deep behind enemy lines. So in terms of the setting, what you're going to do, it's not a game about, let's say, an open battle. It's really about uh, the fact that you're in enemy territory and you're trying to find a way of moving in this difficult-to-handle environment. And the second thing has always been about how you can choose the way you're going to approach, what's the level of freedom you're going to have. In all the Ghost Recon games, from the very beginning, the teams were always trying to bring a large set of tools and situations and have the players think about what's the best way to handle them. What has changed is the technology and what's we're, what we're able to do with, the, with what we have. So when we worked on Advanced Warfighter, we were doing things with the consoles at the time, or the PCs, Right now, what we are doing is having the, all the elements of the military shooter on this gigantic map and have it always on online and being able to go back and forth was not possible before. Mm -hmm. And that's why we are basically working on, bo on both legs. On one side, we are true to what is Ghost Recon, the freedom, the behind enemy lines. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we are also leveraging to the max what's available with the technology and the possibilities right now. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned that you've been working on it for you know five years now. What's been one of your favorite parts of just kind of working on this obviously massive game uh, from a time perspective and like size perspective? What's I would say you know the it's not necessarily in terms of the timing, but the big thing is even if we spend so much time working on it, mm -hmm. we still see situations that are unexpected, mm -hmm. and that's always exciting because you know you, initially you have an idea, you write down the concepts and. From the very beginning, when we finished with your soldier, we were trying to push the boundaries and we knew what we wanted to do. And we're happy that we were able to get where we are. However, what you don't know is how the players are going to play with what you have. Mm -hmm. And when we do the playtest, when we meet the media, when we have people from the team playing the game, it's great to see what's happening. And to give you a specific example, we have a screen in the middle of the open space in the studio where we are showing some of the best scenes that were captured by people when they played the game. Mm -hmm. and it can happen randomly, like some guys had a funny moment, they say, oh, okay, that's great, let's push it on the screen. And so this is for me the biggest thing that even if it's been a long time, uh, I'm sure that we have a very deep game mm -hmm. because me and the leaders of the team are still surprised by our very own game. Awesome. Uh, so when, when you're creating a game that's... Uh, you know, designed to be kind of 
attacked from any angle. How yeah. do you how do you try how do you go about making sure all of that is fun? Yeah. Like that it, it seems like it would make a lot more sense, you know, if it's it's linear, you know, you're coming from from this direction, you know how to balance everything. But when you've when you've got it just so I don't know, open, like yeah. how, how do you how do you go about designing that? There's really two things on this, and it's a, it's a very interesting question because typically the sort of question we ask ourselves uh, during the whole production, you need to have two things. From one point of view, you need to have fun, low-level ingredients. Mm-hmm. You basically need to get down to what is at the core, what is fun at the core. So it can be simple things like explosions. <laughs> so let's have a situation where things explode. Sure. Two, uh, let's have a situation where by behaving in a sneaky way, you can do something without, let's say, uh, using a, a single bullet. Mm-hmm. So you, have, you need to make sure that you have enough low-level game situations that you know that the people are happy to play. Mm-hmm. And when you have those elements, the second thing you do, and this is the big difference between, between a, uh, our game and a more linear game, instead of trying to put them in a certain sequence, which is actually obviously not possible because of the freedom, mm-hmm. Then you stop thinking for a few seconds about what the players are going to do, but you try to think about what uh, makes sense in your own world. So I'm going to give a specific example. For the AI of the guards, the guys who are protecting, let's say, a camp, from one point of view, yes, we know that what's cool is, for instance, to go behind them and succeed without having them spotting you. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, let's say, at moment A or moment B, the guards are going to be available and you can do it. We ask ourselves, okay, in this situation, what would make sense? And yes, for instance, they tend to sleep at night. So instead of artificially saying, let's have them sleep at this moment or that moment, we try to look at what would make sense. And in this case, for instance, instead of having in every mission a linear list of elements saying this or that need to happen, we said that in our, in our whole world, we have um, a time um, and, and day and night cycle, mm-hmm. which means that every map has the guards basically going to sleep at certain moment. And then what we can notice is that some of the players who, for instance, like the sneaky way are going to approach or are going to try to approach most of the missions this way, and this is what they're going to find fun. Mm-hmm. And we make sure that this game is possible to be played that way. And on the other hand, people, for instance, who like explosions, are going to be looking for the barrel or the, that is hidden somewhere on the map. So it's really those two things. Be very controlled at the lower level to know exactly what are your funding regions. Mm-hmm. And then take the risk of just giving those elements to the people and try to look at realism. And this is why, for instance, it's very important. Our creative director usually uses this word that we need to be natural with the rules we have. So, for instance, um, that's also another example. When we are setting the path of the roads inside the universe, Mm -hmm. we created some, uh, basically, algorithms that take into account elements like erosion, or even uh, a money thing, which is it's probably cheaper for to, to have a road that goes around the mountain than building something through the mountain. And so when we basically have our engine compute the road, we come up with something that if you look at it as a gamer, it actually reminds you of real life and you don't find it weird 
Uh, whereas if, if a level designer is go just going to make sure that the player can go from point A to point B, maybe he's just going to dig into the mountain, mm. even if it doesn't make sense. Sure. So each time we were working on this game, we were doing those two things. Make sure that at the core the game is fun, but then make sure also that instead of creating artificial rules, let's try to be as natural as possible. So, uh, as, as far as, you know, th this is kind of a, a brand new Ghost Recon experience, uh, what would you say is the biggest thing for veterans of the series and newcomers uh, to look forward to in the game? I think for, uh, for veterans, what I want to say, and, you know, we're in contact with the community, is you're going to find all the things you love in the, in the brand, you ha have them, uh, and also... People who love the game have all of them different things. Some people want to have a gunsmith. Gunsmith is back. We had it in Future Soldier. Mm -hmm. Some people want to make sure that they can play the, the game from the beginning to the end using a, a small amount of bullets. Mm -hmm. Or the people who want to game, play the game at the highest difficulty is possible. Mm -hmm. So all the core elements of Ghost Recon are available. On the other hand, uh, we bring it at a higher level with, let's say, the co-op, the open world, and then it's a way of having those nice pleasures they have from the game, but in a different environment. And I would say to the people who are new to it, uh, this game is a shooter, it's a military shooter, so come as you are, you don't need a degree in Ghost Recon to be able to play it. Uh, you're going to get it right away. Uh, and to all of them, what I always say, and that's the first question I ask you, what we met here is give it a try with your friends eh? because it's really worth it and when you have such a big game maybe you, you can say oh you know what I'm going to try it solo just to understand how it goes but funnily enough by taking the risk of jumping into this playground with all your friends mm -hmm. instead of making it more difficult actually it's going just to increase the feeling of basically feeling at home inside the game because you'll be in this environment with your mates and st simple things like agreeing, let's say, that one of the guys is going to steal the helicopter while the others are hiding, which is, let's say, a complicated co concept to explain. I say, oh, as soon as you're in the game, it's obvious, uh, because you don't have boundaries, there's no leash between the players. So, yes, that's really the big thing for everyone. Give it a try with your friends. You won't be disappointed. Awesome. But actual last question, yes. since it's got gunsmith, uh, does it use Kinect? Can you wave your arms around to spread the gun apart? <laughs> No, uh, Gunsmith is back. You also have Charactersmith, which is about the fact of being able to customize your characters. So I think it's very interesting to know that when we finished the previous game, we had Gunsmith, and we asked ourselves, what, what else can we smith? And so we said, why not have all the possibilities of Gunsmith, but on your characters? And this is another example of this large freedom of choice. Awesome. Smith all the things. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. And here's my interview with Dominic. Well, Dominic, thank you so much for sitting down with me and talking about Ghost Recon. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Um, well, let's, uh, from your perspective, uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game, just kind of give an overview of uh, Ghost Recon for people that aren't familiar with it. Or, well, Ghost sure. Recon Wildlands. Ghost Recon Wildlands. So, yeah, um, I guess in a nutshell, it's a... It's a tactical military shooter, and it's set in a massive, responsive open world, so it's got consequence to your actions, and it's a game that you can play it in solo, where you're supported by AI teammates, or in up to four-player co-op. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, 
Ghost Recon Wildlands is massive world, as you just yes. said. It reacts to it. Uh, that's not traditionally how Ghost Recon games have been. They've, you know, large map, but kind of sort of directed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you balance having a you know realistic military tactical mm-hmm. shooter with the kind of craziness that can ensue mm-hmm. with an open world game? How, how does that work? So that's it's a. Good question. It's one that we've had to work on for quite a while, to be honest. It's, we've built a lot of linear games in Ghost Recon and in other games that we've made. Um, and with this, this was a team that had worked on previous Ghost Recon titles. They just finished Future Soldier, and they were saying, "Well, where do we go next? What you know? What do we want to do next?" And this was really like a passion project. It was something they'd wanted to do for a long time, but couldn't because of mainly technical reasons and now leveraging the power of the modern consoles and modern PCs, we can finally do it. It's great. But then it also, working on the technical challenge, we also have to look at the design part, exactly as you said, of I've got this huge world, I've got this storyline that I'm following, I've got different targets I've got to go after. In some cases, you know, it's a an extraction or it's a kill mission or it's a destroy or it's a tail or it's whatever type of mission you're going to have but how do you do that in a world where kind of anything can happen right? where the player is free to do whatever they want And we started out by trying to build missions the way we had done it before and they quickly fell apart they quickly, there was too many ways to break it and so what we set about building was a world that was quite systemic it's quite um, automated into the sense of you've got uh, traffic systems and you've got um, different fraction systems that have their own alliances and, and um, you know allegiances and, and, and they want factions that they will go up against you've got day night cycles you've got weather systems you've, you know all of these things are happening all the time regardless of what the player is doing and then the player comes and adds a kind of chaotic element to that as well um, and so the, having built this world, we then looked at the mission structure and said, you know, the only way we can do this is to give a very kind of clear, goal-focused mission. So rather than when we've got to kidnap a guy and get him back to a, a rally point for questioning, traditionally that would have been a multiple-step process. If you've got to do this, then you've got to go take out the snipers, then you've got to do this with the guards, then you've got to get this specific vehicle, bring it up, park it in the bay, you know, go get the guy, and it's the way we would have built it in the past. Sure. And we have fun doing that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but when we say to the player that we're putting the freedom of choice in your hands, we really mean it, and so the easiest way to do that was to give you the goal, which is, I need to get this guy from here to there. Mm-hmm. How you do that is completely up to you. Now, there's some approaches that are going to make a lot more sense than others, but <laughs> that doesn't mean you're not free to try out other techniques, you know, like goof around with your friends, try something crazy, see what happens, because that world is always going to be reactive. It's always going to be sort of looking at what you're doing and then answering back in the form of, you know, reinforcements or world systems that are going to react to the player actions. Very cool. Now, when you're designing those kind of world systems and, and gameplay elements, yeah. and you kind of, I guess, come to an impasse of like this either needs to be realistic or it needs to be fun. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you approach those problems and how do so, you solve them? It's especially um, important, I think, in a Tom Clancy game where our players have an expectation about military 
authenticity. Um, they know that we work very closely with, uh, you know, with long ties with the military and with advisors and people that understand this. And we know that our fans love that too, right? That attention to detail. And with any Tom Clancy game, especially a Ghost Recon game, you've got um, the notion of a story that's based largely in reality, in a, in a realistic premise. But we take one aspect of that and we dial it all the way up, right? So that's the way the you know Tom Clancy's books originally were based on. Was we've got this situation, and what if something? You know, what if this one part of these uh, interconnecting systems was to suddenly spin up at a much higher rate? Oh no, you know, what would that look like? And in our case, we'll see the uh, the cartels, uh, you know, rising up, rising up, rising up, and then we're saying, well. What if the cartels took it to the next step? They're becoming more brazen, more brash. What if they took it to the next step and took over a country? And so that's our kind of what-if scenario. So we're already slightly in the fantastical, but kind of seated in, in, in reality. But then when it comes to the, the regular gameplay, we will focus as much as possible on being realistic when we can, mm -hmm. but we'll, we won't sacrifice like the fun or the gameplay elements for the sake of authenticity because it's something we know as gamers we're looking for and as teams that have built up several Ghost Recon games we know that that's where the that's what our fans want from a Ghost Recon game um, so we're still going to have you know lots of more than 50 different weapons with lots of aftermarket parts those weapons are realistic weapons they're modeled after the actual um, the real world models the parts that you see are real aftermarket parts that are available for those weapons. Um, so that's all realistic. Then we build ballistic models based on the caliber and the type of weapon and the way it shoots. Again, when we're looking at how does that work in terms of the maybe the distance in-game, it won't always be 100% accurate, but it's going to be accurate for the game experience, which is what's most important for okay. us. Fantastic. Now, one of the, if I'm not mistaken, one of the new things uh, to Ghost Recon here is the progression system. Uh, it's not something that's necessarily new to Tom Clancy games. Right. That have had kind of, you know, perks or, or whatnot that you sure. can build up. Um, again, you know, kind of being a, you know, a realistic-ish mm -hmm. kind of shooter, how do you... How do you balance, like, oh, all of a sudden now you can take, you know, more hit points without it being an RPG or whatever? Right, like. so that's something we've got to be very, very careful about because we don't want to end up at the point where it becomes too fantastical. Sure. Right? We do want to give players somewhere to grow, something, something to explore uh, in terms of a progression system. And really the ghosts, as anybody that's familiar with the ghosts will know, these guys are masters of their environment. They're best of the best, right? So they can kind of do anything, go anywhere. They're super smart people that are sent in when there's very little information beforehand and they need to adapt and, you know, make on-the-ground decisions. Um, when we're looking at our progression system then, we can't really say, you know, oh, now you've unlocked the ability to use a sniper rifle for example, because these guys already know how to do it, right? Or we've unlocked the ability to fly a helicopter suddenly. And it's like, in fact, they can always fly a helicopter. They can always steal a plane. They can always do those things. So what we've looked at is really something, our progression system is based far more in promoting um, 
player expression in terms of the way that you like to play? What are the things that you like to do? Do you like to go, you know, high explosives? Well, we got you covered. We're going to give you grenade launchers and C4 and mines and frag grenades and things like that. If you're someone that's focused on stealth and, or recon, we're going to give you stuff that is going to reduce the noise that you're generating, especially noise from the drone. So you can upgrade that drone to do more effective recon. Maybe you can get closer, you get longer battery life, but you could also add um, payloads to the drone over time so that you can have an explosive drone or a drone that has an EMP pulse that's going to disable air vehicles and also generators and camps, you know, knock out all the lights at night and then turn on the night vision, you know, sweep in. But rather than having all of these things that affect all those world systems on at once, mm -hmm. we want the players to be able to just kind of, okay, you know what, I, I like playing like this, right? Mm -hmm. And I like playing like that. And so it's not a class-based system, but it does allow players to kind of build their ghost the way they want to be. Okay. So it's more about kind of the player <coughs> being able to do what they want to better. Exactly. Very cool. Um, now, one of the, the cool things that was mentioned... Um, is the, the way that co-op works, uh, you know, it's drop in, drop out. Mm -hmm. um, but you can kind of go off and do the same missions at, like, or different missions at yep. the same time. Absolutely. Um, so when if you're playing single player and you something goes awry mm -hmm. and you're trying to chase down somebody and you <coughs> go into the area of another mission, can you actually accomplish two missions at once? That way? So, how, how does that... So, okay, so where we have... Um, you're going to complete, there's just two ways to see it, it's, I almost need a whiteboard for this part, because it starts to get complex when you look at the way that the solo and co-op uh, progression systems work. It's not complex from a player point of view, it's just how it happens under the hood. Okay. So let, uh, let me come at it from a, a more macro way and then see if it answers your question. We've got your uh, progression, your narrative progression is yours from the start regardless of whether you're playing in solo or co-op, we make no differentiation on that. So as you're completing story missions, those missions are completed in your progression. If we decide to join up and we complete more missions, those are completed for me and you, but in our own progression systems. Okay. Right? And uh, then the nice thing is when we go our separate ways, at the end of the session, those are still completed for me. And okay. they're still completed for you. So you're always pushing your own progression, your own narrative. Now let's say we're in a... If you, sorry, if you need to step out, it's cool. Okay. Um, now let's say that we're doing... We've joined a, a session, and you've got... You're playing in Montayoc, and I'm playing in Itaqua, and we're separated, which, just as a side note, isn't... It's totally possible. We don't put an artificial restriction on you, uh, but it just kind of doesn't make sense because you need that extra support. And, you know, if you go down, you need somebody who can come and revive you or, you know, help you get out of the situation. And if they're several kilometers away, they're not going to get you in time, basically. Right. So it doesn't really make sense, but let's say that this is what you're doing. So you, you split up and you do it. You can equip different missions. So while all the world is active and it's always on, um, it's the missions that are equipped at that time. That's for you. That's what you're going to complete. Okay. Right? Um, now, we do have a way that if you are, uh, let's say, okay, you have a, to kill a target, right? And there's somebody that you need, to, you need to take out. And you start to chase this guy, and you're chasing him through a takwa, and he's going driving all throughout the roads. 
and he happens to be heading in my direction. I'm doing a different mission, and I see the guy coming, you tell me, and I can see there's an icon above his head, and I can see that, oh, he's for your mission. If I don't have that mission equipped, I can still give you a hand. I could take him out. Okay. The mission will complete for you because the target is dead. Mm -hmm. But because I didn't have the mission equipped, it's something that happened in the world. It's, it's not okay. going to advance my storyline. Um, normally that doesn't happen because, like I said, kind of quite um, passively, organically, we do a lot of play tests internally and externally. And what we find is players just naturally tend to buddy up very quickly just because it makes sense, you know, sure. for support and, like I said, help each other out. And so in that sense, it doesn't tend to happen very often, but we do have the support there for the players. Okay. Very cool. Um, as far as uh, kind of the, the multiplayer goes, is there any sort of split-screen co-op, or is it all online? How, how does that work? So it's, it's always online okay. uh, in terms of if you want to play co-op. You can play the entire game offline if you want okay. in, in the solo. Uh, and that's important because we know there's a lot of people who either because of the timings or, you know, their friends aren't available or for whatever reason, if you want to play solo, that's absolutely fine. You're going to see all the same great content. We don't keep anything back. There's nothing that's only co-op right? or only solo. Neither uh, have any exclusivity. It's, it's all the same. Um, but obviously, if you want to play co-op, you have to have a connection so you can connect with your friends. But anytime you're playing, it's always uh, it's one person per, per machine. Okay. I guess to just kind of end uh, yep. the interview, what's, what is one of your favorite things about uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, and what are you most excited for people to be able to do? I think, for me, when people ask, it's a good question, I, and I keep trying to come up with a, you know, like one specific example of something I've seen. But in terms of what I'm excited, what I like to do is I like to play co-op with friends, but also the idea that it's not a <coughs> exclusive commitment. If for whatever reason one person drops out, it's not like everybody out of the session and then relaunch. It's just right. they're, they're out of the session. Um, but it's the parts in between the missions, because you've got this big world with lots of different ways to get around, and you're not forced to stay together, is that quite often you'll see you know one person take a bike, and it's like us to you guys there, and they go and then somebody else jumps in a jeep or they take a helicopter or whatever. And it's that idea that we don't have to be together but we're kind of heading in the same direction and then seeing uh, convoys or supply raids or little things to do along the way and just kind of organically going, hey guys, let's do this real quick on the way to the, doing that. And just that part of it for me that kind of feels very organic and natural and it's not too heavy-handed. I think that's the bit that I enjoy. In terms of what I'm excited to see, it's... Genuinely, it's players playing the game. It's events like this where we can put it in your hands. You get to play it legitimately. It's not us giving you a, a structured demo. It's, hey, here's a pad. Go play for a couple of hours solo. Play for a couple of hours in co-op. See what it's like. Really try it out. Um, and I mean, you probably heard it back there in the sessions. A lot of whooping and cheering and people shouting at each other and really just enjoying the game for what it is, you know. Uh, that's the stuff, I think, that gets us most excited. Awesome. And uh, I guess short, really easy final question. Mm -hmm. uh, when can people get their hands on? So Ghost Recon Wildlands is out March 7th on Xbox One, PlayStation 4. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir.